If you would like to follow along, pull out your Bible. It's 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, eat. this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, For those of you who may not know, uh, I'm Mark Northcutt. Pastor Chris is under the weather today. And so uh, I've had the privilege of just coming and sharing the word with you. And it is a great privilege and honor. And I'm glad for that. If you do have your Bibles, I'd like for you to take it and just uh, turn to that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, We're going to uh, speak uh, on communion before we receive communion. So today, before we partake of communion, and I I, I don't know what faith experience you come from, but here at Hope Crossings, we partake of communion that's found in this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And the manner of which that we partake of communion is at the end of the service, we're going to give you an opportunity of which that you would come forward and you would just receive one of the emblems. And then you can either here at the front or back at your seat partake of communion personally and intimately with the Lord. Uh, Some churches do it collectively. Some do it in different forms and different fashions. And that is the, the practice here at Hope Crossings. And and so my, uh, I, I just want to explain that to you, how we're going to end this service. But before we do that, I, I have an agenda. And my agenda is that we would reclaim uh, the, the meaning and the purpose and the power of communion uh, through this message before we partake of it. Now, I'm going to read, it's a lengthy passage included in what Josiah just, just read But I just want to give us a full context of what the Apostle Paul was writing about communion before we kind of look into that. You ready? Now, I I know uh, it normally is New International Version, but today I'm reading out the New King James Version. So if you have your Bible app, uh, you might want to flip to that. But if not, it's not that much of a difference from New International. But uh, I'd like for us to to read from, from that. Before we read, uh, I, I know there's lots of times whenever we come to church services and we have the, the busyness of life that still comes with us. It, it, we don't leave it at the door. It comes with us. And sometimes whenever it comes to the, the, the sharing of God's Word, that busyness speaks louder than the, than the Word. And so what I'm going to ask you to do in just a moment as, as I voice out a prayer I'm going to ask you to pray for yourself. I'm going to ask you to pray for your heart that you would be open to what God has. And I want you to pray for your mind that the Holy Spirit would keep it retained and not allow the voices of busyness to snuff out and smother out the word of the Lord. Is that good? You understand? Open my heart. 
Help my mind. So if you'd like to, I, I place my hand on my heart. I usually touch, touch the temple, but let's pray. Father, I just ask now that you would open my heart. I, know, I don't want to come to this time with some preconceived ideas or, or assumptions or even selfish pride. I open my heart to you, O Holy Spirit. Would you just speak to me? Would you touch me? I give you permission to convict me, to open my eyes, to, to encourage me. Lord, I, I know that there's many busyness in this life, and I can think of easily think of all the things that would consume me. But I ask, oh, Holy Spirit, oh, God, would you come and just help my mind to stay focused and not allow the busyness to snuff out your word. And I pray, Father, for these things, for you are a good God, and you have good things for me. In Christ's name, amen, amen. Verse 17. Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. This is the Apostle Paul writing here. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. For there must be also factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in eating... Each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry, and another is drunk. Verse 22, what? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? <laughs> I do not praise you. Now, verse 23, we, let's read it again. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he had broken and said, Now, note this, would you? Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Here you go. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it. Here it comes again in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Verse 27 now. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord, uh-oh, uh-oh, here it comes, y'all ready? In an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? But let a man examine himself so that let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. In verse 29, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself. Okay, that's pretty heavy duty, isn't it? Not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. For when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Wow. Normally, whenever we talk about communion, we don't get verses 27 through uh, 32. We kind of hold back. But the point is, what does Jesus want us to remember? What does he want us to remember? It, it's, it's funny to me. It, it's not funny. It's sad to me. I, I should say it that way. Funny in a sad way. How that if you give religion enough time, it can snuff out and literally push into the corner the power and the significance 
and the, the absolute intimacy of God has in store for us by falling into just an empty ritual. You know, okay, uh, on a set period of time, uh, on a certain time we come and partake of communion, we kind of do our thing, we, we, we go through that, that's what Christians do, and so we're supposed to do that, and, and we just lose the vitality of it, we lose the importance of it, we lose the power of it, we lose the intimacy of it. And so he says here, he, he says, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is my blood that's shed by the new covenant. When you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. So he's wanting us to remember his broken body and his shed blood. Yes. But what else does he want us to remember? We have two choices. We can, we can either look and remember the process of his dying. Or two, we can look for the purpose of his dying on the cross. So, listen, I, I, I never, ever want to minimize, never do I ever want to just gloss over or somehow just, just make it just a drive-by thought of the sacrifice of what Christ did for us upon the cross of Calvary. Never do I want to, to minimize that. But also, I never want to, to overlook the suffering that took place by his separation from the Father and his willingness to come for us and the willingness to, to, to pay the price for us and willingness to give all for us. I never want to, to minimize that. I, I remember whenever I, I, I told you before that I was raised in the church, I, I literally, when I say raised in the church, I was raised in the church because uh, my dad was a minister and, and we lived in the parsonage and the parsonage was the church. I was raised in the church, you know. And I remember so many times that whenever we would come to the time of partaking of the Lord's table or of communion or Eucharist, the many terms for this, that there would be an effort to recreate an atmosphere of just almost synonymous with a funeral where there would be somber music, there would be a, a, a slowness of pace, there would be just a pulling back, everybody pull back and try to, to envision in your mind, try to replicate in your thoughts the suffering of Christ so that you would come to this table and you would do it in a moment in a place of which that there would be just this, this almost a grief that would be restored in you. And I remember how that that was done, and, and I, somehow I'm thinking, wait a minute. You, you've got to remember that the Apostle Paul, whenever he wrote this, he, he pastored this church for about 18 months. And now he has been gone for five and a half years. And he's writing this letter. He's writing this letter to correct some things that are, that are starting to take place in church. Because we people in the church, we have a tendency to get off track. And so he's writing this letter back, and he says to him that he says in the chapter one, he goes, "Man, I applaud you guys. Y'all, y'all are doing great. Y'all are you're understanding the gifts of the Spirit. There were some things of which that need to be corrected." And then he comes to communion, and he drops the hammer. He says, "Hang on, you're missing it. You are totally missing it." And he says, "You guys are bringing your lunch here, and you're eating, and you're leaving these folks out." 
they're over there hungry and you're just having a grand time. And he says, you're, you're getting all over. And the point is, the point is, is that never once did the apostle Paul say, oh, you weren't grievous enough. Or you weren't, you weren't having the sense of mor- morbidness enough. He was saying, you guys are having a party. <laughs> and I need you to understand that you've got to bring this back in balance. That means to me that I don't think the Apostle Paul was trying to say, pull it down as much as he was saying, we need to celebrate what Christ has done and what he has provided for us and what he has accomplished through his death and resurrection so that we would live in accordance with that, that we wouldn't live in disharmony with it. We would live in harmony with what he has provided. So let's go through a few of these words. In in verse 27, he talks about worthy. You partake of it worthily. It says here, therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. And then he says, let a man examine himself. Let him examine himself. Whenever whenever he talks about being worthy, uh, what, what exactly is he? Is he trying to say here? Is, is, he, is he saying that we're supposed to, you know, check our worthiness? Are we supposed to evaluate it like we do, you know, like the gas tank? Are we, are we full? Are we half? Are we running on empty? Is that what he's doing? He says, let a man examine himself. He says, you're supposed to evaluate. That word examine is the same phrase that we use whenever we talk about like passing a test. In other words, you know, do you, do you really, have you really grasped it? Have you grasped the material? Taking a test is to evaluate if you have grasped, if you have comprehended, and you are applying the material correctly. And he's saying, we need to examine ourselves to see if we're grasping what has been done, what Christ has provided, what he has accomplished. Are we really grasping that? Are we living in that way? Are we living somewhere less than? So he says here, he says, the coming of the Lord, the coming of the Lord and dying upon the cross is not that we would examine to see if we're measuring up. It's asking, are we really flowing in what he has provided? Are we really living in that way of which he is giving to us? He's saying, I don't want it to be a ritual. I don't want it to be just an empty event of which we say, okay, yeah, we do that. And it has no impact upon us at all. He's saying, I want you to look. It's so sad to me. It is so sad to me that we have made communion a place of which God's wanting to pour into us in the same way we partake of the juice and we partake of the bread, we ingest it. That he's wanting us to ingest the freshness, the power, the significance of which the Holy Spirit has provided. That in spite of our weaknesses, we can have the strength of the Lord. God never intended for your spiritual life to be accomplished through your own strength and your own abilities. He never intended that. In fact, it's impossible to do that. So how? He says you can come to the table, you can come to the communion, and you can say, Lord, I'm not living in the fullness of which you have provided. I'm not living in what you have given. 
I'm living less than. I feel my weaknesses. I feel the corrosion of sin that's in my life. I feel that. And I need your strength. And I take of this juice. I take of this, this bread in the same way that I take of you. And Lord, where I am strength, weak, you are strong. Come to me now. So many times we look at communion and we say, well, I'm not worthy. I, I better not take it. I, I've been in church services many times whenever the minister would say, I want everybody to stop. If you are living in sin, you better not take this because judgment will come upon you. Hey, that's like saying to someone who's dying of malnutrition, as soon as you put on a few pounds, then I'm going to give you something to eat. No, communion is whenever we come in honesty and sincerity and say, Lord, I, I, I'm living less than what you have for me. I'm living less, but I know that you have strength that I do not have. And I take this and I receive it from you, that which you have. So what, who is worthy? Who is worthy? Nobody. Nobody is worthy. Nobody is worthy enough to partake of communion. But praise be unto God, worthy is the lamb that was slain. He has made us worthy through his sacrifice and through his giving. He has made it. Am I ever going to make it in my own? Never. But because of Christ, I am worthy through him. So what does he mean? He means here that whenever you look in a worthy manner, that you give full measure of what has been provided. Uh, let, me, let me just give you a kind of a silly illustration. If I, if, if I handed these guys, I, I gave you a gift card, and I said, uh, here's $200 on the gift card for both of y'all. First of all, you'll be going, whoo yes. Um, but if I gave it to you, and you looked at me and you go, man, I really appreciate the 10 bucks you gave me. I'd be looking at them going, wait a minute. No, hang on. I gave you 200. No, no, no. No, it's just 10 bucks. That's all it is. And you stop purchasing after $10. You're not given the full worth of what has been given. You see? Does that make sense to you? You are, you are far less than the full measure. So many of us are trying to live our lives according to a code, according to a behavior matrix, so according to that, and we're living so much less than what God has provided for us because we're not given proper worthiness to what he did and what he has provided for us. Here, here's the second one. I only have three points, and here's my second one. And that's the one about many are weak and sick among you. It's found in verse 30. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. So is the Apostle Paul saying, all right, here it is. If you don't live right, if you don't strike right, if you don't smell right, if you don't walk right, and you don't do it, and you take communion, then God's going to smack you. He's going to slap you down. And he's going to put you on a bed. He's going to put you and fight. He's going to take you out. Is that what Paul's saying here? No, not even close to that. He is saying that we are living so much less than what he has provided that we have succumbed unto things that should never be a part of us. 
We have succumbed under weakness. We have succumbed under brokenness. We have succumbed under oppression. We have succumbed under anxiety and dysfunction and anxiety, all of these things, depression and all these things. We have succumbed unto them and we're living in them because we are not giving full worth of what Christ has done through the cross of Calvary. Does that make sense? You ready for another just simplistic illustration? I'm an American citizen, and because of my citizenship, I have certain rights. If someone comes and tries to come into my house and take items from me while I'm not there, it robs my house, I have the full disposal of the city, the county, the state, the federal law enforcement to not only to get back what was taken from me, but for me to be fully restored. I have the legal system that is at my disposal to fully restore what was taken from me. Let me just say to you guys, if you don't hear anything else, hear this. The Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ has got the full weight of all of heaven at your disposal. And what the enemy wants to take from you, you have a legal right through the blood of Jesus Christ to be not only be restored, but to be fully restored through Jesus Christ. That is what we've been given. He says the reason why so some are sick among you. Some are broken among you. It's because they're trying to live out their life in a human flesh according to a code and not understanding what is provided through the communion and what his sacrifice has been done. Praise be unto God. That's what he's wanting us to live in. That's what he's, how he's wanting us to live. And so he says, examine yourself. Okay, yes. Lord, am I living that way or am I living less than that? If I'm living less than that, then Lord, I acknowledge it to you. If I'm allowing the, the patterns of, of the temptation to have dominion over me, Lord, I acknowledge that, but I'm coming now to receive from you that, Lord, I can't do it in myself, but you said you would strengthen me, and I receive that so I can live within that you have for me. Here, here's my last one. So what does... What does, the, what does Jesus want us to remember? You, you mind if I read it one more time? And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. So let me have two possible suggestions here of what he's wanting us to remember. The first one is he's wanting us to remember how much it hurt him. You know, the pain of which that he endured. I, and and, and, and the, the agony and the grief and the sacrifice of coming from heaven. If that's the case, if that is the case, then that means that for us to have discipleship, for us to have growth in God, that there has to be a certain percentage of guilt and shame that's involved in that. That we have to constantly be in a place of which, oh Lord, I, I, I'm, not, I'm just not worthy. I, I cannot believe. I, I'm just nothing but a worm. I am nothing but that. And, but I don't believe that walking with God is a life of guilt and shame. I just, I just don't see that. I don't see that he's wanting us to be motivated by that. I see he's wanting us to be freed of that. So what's the other thing he's wanting us to remember? 
I believe that what Christ wants us to remember is that every time that I eat of this bread and drink of this cup, and I understand that once and for all, that all my sins have, are, 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 are washed by the blood of Christ, and I'm no longer living in condemnation. I believe he's wanting us to remember the, and never forget that whenever we partake of the bread, like Israel receiving miracle manna in the wilderness, that there is nourishment from him for my life. There's spiritual nourishment. It's not just the bread. It's the faith that comes in with that, that there's nourishment. And I never should forget that I'm forgiven, I'm not condemned, and I'm, I'm enabled to live in strength in every single day of my life. I need to remember that I don't need to acquiesce into discouragement, dysfunction, despondency, anxiety, and despair. That I can go on with my life in fullness knowing that he has given me the full rights to live abundantly, not live in misery. I think he's wanting us to remember that he is our healer. And if we're plagued by Satan and remember that, that he is pursuing us, that we should always remember that he has conquered every principality and power and he has put Satan under his feet. I believe that's what he's wanting us to remember whenever we come to communion. I believe we need to remember that he's a mighty savior who wants to us to remember that he has watched us, he has strengthened us, and he has broken the power of sin and temptation and, and satanic bondage and that we are living in freedom and we're not living in despair. That's what he's wanting us to remember. He's wanting us to come to this as a point of celebration, not a point of, of some sort of morbid drudgery. He's wanting us to come and not only come to this, but to leave from this building, to leave from this place, knowing that we have the strength of the Lord to live out our days, not in less than, but in the fullness that he has for us. You see the difference? You see, communion is not just a an empty ritual. It's not just a, an event of which that we do that we kind of mark it. It's not like, you know, the Catholics cross themselves. We Protestants, we partake of communion. It's not that. It's that we come and we remember what has been provided for us and we live in accordance to that. So what am I going to ask of you here in just a minute, in just a moment? I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to sing once again the song that we sang earlier. But then whenever, whenever we finish singing that, I'm going to have you come. And I'm going to have you come with an attitude of, Lord, I'm coming to receive. I'm coming. If you're, if you're needing strength, receive. If you're needing healing, receive. If you need a power in your spirit that seems to kind of have, has lessened over the past weeks or months, receive from the Lord and say, Lord, as I take of this juice and I take of this bread, I receive from you that which I could never do in myself. Does that make sense? Stand with me, please, would you?